The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, good morning, PCC, and welcome. I trust you're sitting at home comfortably and also you're ready to engage with God's Word as we start a new series today entitled I Am God, which is in John's Gospel. And so if you've got your Bibles close by, go ahead, reach for those and turn to John chapter 6. That's the text we're going to be in today, John 6. You know, a word that I've been using over and over again just lately, in fact, I think I've used this word more in the last two months than in my entire life. The word is uncertain uncertain maybe you've been using this word repeatedly as well uncertain because of covid19 things are so uncertain our lives today are uncertain in fact i read one journalist she said that because of covid19 the uncertainty is almost as unsettling as the virus itself and i think there's sadly a lot of truth to her words because of covid19 the coronavirus so many things are uncertain People's lives in many places are uncertain. People's livelihoods are uncertain. Of course, the global economy is uncertain. An antivirus, a date for an antivirus is uncertain. What's going to happen on the other side of COVID-19 is uncertain. Politicians are uncertain. Epidemiologists are uncertain. Everyone seems to be uncertain. In fact, the only thing that is certain, so it seems, is uncertainty. And of course, we human beings at times like these need certainty. In fact, we can't live without it. We can only flourish as humans when we have the experience of certainty deep within our heart. And so because of this, and for other reasons as we're going to see in this new series, we've decided to turn to some of Jesus' grounding words, some of these familiar words that, when believed, actually bring about a deep, profound sense of security and certainty amidst all the uncertainty. And so, church, this is the plan for the next eight weeks. We're going to look at eight of Jesus' I am statements found in John's gospel. For example, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And the I am statement that we're going to look at is actually Jesus' first I am declaration. And it's this, I am the bread of life. And it's found in John chapter 6, verse 35. Now, to get the backstory before we look at this, this I am statement, we're going to join the narrative in verse 25 because Jesus here has just performed this incredible jaw-dropping miracle. In fact, it's the only miracle that each of the four gospel writers record. And of course, what is the miracle? It's when Jesus turned a little boy's lunchbox into essentially a Lebanese restaurant. He takes this little lad's lunch and he multiplies it so much so that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are fed. John says 5,000 men, but when you add the women and the children, it was probably anywhere up to 10,000 people were fed by Jesus. Well, because of this, the crowd, after experiencing and seeing this miracle firsthand, they're filled with nationalistic verve because they put the pieces together. They put two and two together and they start saying, this is the one. 
This is the ultimate deliverer, the one that Moses spoke about. If you remember, God performed an incredible miracle through Moses, the feeding of the children of uh, Israel with manna. They fed on that bread in the wilderness for 38 years. And here's Jesus. He performs this spellbinding miracle. And the people are like, this must be the guy. He's the ultimate redeemer. He's the deliverer. And so they try and take Jesus by force to be their puppet master, to be their puppet king. Well, Jesus knows their intentions. He's the son of God after all. And so he secretly goes to a nearby mountain to pray, which he does all through the night. And so we join the narrative. The very next day, the people wake up. They're like, where is Jesus? They go to the other side of Lake Galilee in search of Jesus. And in verse 25, they actually track him down. This is what we read in verse 25 and following. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, they wanted Jesus for their own selfish ends. They were thinking materialistically, not ultimately spiritually, and so Jesus rebukes them. Now, verse 27 is a pivotal verse, a very significant verse that we're going to unpack this morning. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not work for food or for bread that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, bread that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we will see it and believe you? What will you do? They're throwing down a challenge. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. I find that remarkable. Jesus just performed this incredible miracle feeding thousands of people. And here they are saying, what sign are you going to do for us, Jesus? Like, that's the extent of the human heart at times. We can be unbelieving. Verse 32, Jesus responds. He said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're still thinking materialistically. Verse 35, here's our great I am statement here. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, just drop down in your Bibles to verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. How about we pray? Father, thank you for your word. And Lord Jesus, thank you for this incredible declaration. You are the bread of life. And I pray, Lord, that we would discover really what that means. And especially for those who are on a journey trying to find life and satisfaction, that today that their journey would end in you, that they would find life in your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Now when Jesus calls himself here the bread of life, I am the bread of life, 
he's referring to the experience of deep satisfaction. That's really the theme that's on the table. He's talking about deep contentment, deep fulfillment, deep human enrichment, satisfaction. And so as we consider this theme today, I want us to do that by looking at the following two headings. Real straightforward, no complications here. Real straightforward, nice simple outline. The quest for satisfaction. And secondly, the way to satisfaction. That is, our human search for satisfaction, trying to find true life. And secondly, the way to lasting, deep, eternal soul satisfaction. So, pure and simple, nice and clean, nice outline. So, firstly, the quest for satisfaction. Jesus, in verse 27, says something to these guys that I believe gets at the very heart of the question of human satisfaction, this search for satisfaction. As I mentioned, the crowd have come to Jesus in search of a miracle worker. They want him to perform another miracle so that they can have their fill, so that they can have literal food. And Jesus rebukes them mildly by saying, do not work for food that spoils. Now, interestingly, one Bible translation, the New Living Translation, I think is really helpful because it brings out, I think, the full flavor of Jesus' words here. This is what we read in the New Living Translation. Jesus says, don't be concerned or don't be obsessed about perishable things like food. The like food is helpful there because I think Jesus is laying down an all-important principle for us. He's essentially saying, Whatever you pursue, believing it's going to bring you satisfaction, well, it, well, it won't. The, so the things like food here in verse 27 can refer to things like relationships. You know, some people really think that if they only had him, if they only had her, then they would be deeply content. Others, it's financial security. They go, oh, if I had more money in the kitty, then I would know deep satisfaction. Still others, it's travel. Or if I could go on a worldwide tour, travel here, travel there, then I would know deep satisfaction. For others, it's some achievement, it's recognition, it's body image, it's some position, whatever, some career. The list goes on and on. And of course, some of these things are good gifts from God. But Jesus would caution us today as he cautioned this crowd by saying, even though these are God's gifts, they won't be able to sustain your heart. They won't be able to satisfy you deep within. And so I think at the end of the day, Jesus would say to us, as he said to the crowd, don't be materialistic. Because in the final analysis, the materialist will always be dissatisfied and discontent. You know, many years ago, one writer, C.S. Lewis, you'd be familiar with him, no doubt. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. But in another book of his, Mere Christianity, this is what C.S. Lewis pointed out. He said, most people, if they really learn how to look into their own hearts, and by the way, that takes a lot of courage to do that, and stillness, he said, would know that they do want and want deeply something that cannot be had or cannot be experienced in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never keep their promise. Like the things I just mentioned, these things in the world, the world, these things basically say to you and I, if you have me, then you'll be satisfied. But at the end of the day, they don't keep their promise. Oh yeah, we may experience a sugar hit of pleasure in these particular material things, but at the end of the day, we're still left wanting more. We desire more. And so Lewis cautions us not to go looking in these various places because we won't find satisfaction. Jesus cautions us, more importantly, by not looking for pleasure and satisfaction in these material places. 
And even though this is all true, still many people think that satisfaction, deep, ultimate soul contentment is just around the corner for their taking. Uh, I think young people, subconsciously of course, they say things like, if only I get, or I'm, if, if I get what I'm hoping to get out of life, then I'm going to experience satisfaction and deep joy. And if I get that possession, if I get that career, then I'm going to know lasting happiness and contentment. And Jesus would say lovingly to that young person, don't be so naive. Don't be naive. You won't. It will just be a sugar hit of pleasure. But you will always end up being dissatisfied in the long run. And so as people try and find satisfaction, there are a number of different outcomes or responses to the lack of experience of satisfaction. Depending on the person, they respond differently. For example, there are three main, I think, responses or approaches to satisfaction. The first is to be driven. That is, this person starts to blame things outside of them as the cause or the reason or the source of their dissatisfaction. And so they say, you know, it's because of this, I need to change this, upgrade that. And so these type of people, driven type, they move from house to house, sadly even, from spouse to spouse, from possession to possession, from upgrade to upgrade, from career to career, job to job, trying to find it, satisfaction. And all the while they believe it's just around the corner. If I just make this corner and get that thing, then I will know true life and satisfaction. And of course, they sometimes get that thing only to find that it offers a quick spike of satisfaction, but not lasting soul deep contentment. And so they continue to run on what I call the dissatisfaction treadmill. They use up a lot of energy, and of course, these people are industrious and full of enterprise, but they end up just wearing themselves out, driven, 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 trying to find it, namely satisfaction. Secondly, others can become self-despairing. That is, unlike those who are driven, they point the finger outward externally and blame other causes, the self-despairing type obviously go inside and they have self-blame. They start blaming themselves for their lack of satisfaction and so they say if you know if i only i would dot 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 have been a better parent or if if only i was prettier then i would attract the right partner or if only i was more bold kind of in the workplace then i wouldn't be so anxious and i would strive for that position and you know just make my voice heard a bit more to get that career that i've always wanted or and the list goes on and on and and sadly this is a very dangerous place to be in self-despairing because in our fallen world there are ten thousand ways to drown one's self-despairing sorrow and so this is the second approach or response to satisfaction, it's self-despairing. Third, there's a third response, and that is to be a cynic. To be a cynic. You know, you can be driven, self-despairing, but also you can become quite cynical. That is, these type, they say, oh yeah, when I was a younger person, a younger woman, a younger man, I believed that satisfaction, that it was out there. But you know what? I've grown up now, and I've stopped chasing rainbows. I've stopped chasing the pot of money at the end of the rainbow, the pot of career at the end of the rainbow, or the relationship at the end of the rainbow. I've stopped doing that now, and I've just grown to be content with what I have, the Australian dream, or my future inheritance. I've, I'm content with my family. I'm content with Netflix. I'm just content with how things are currently. And I think Jesus would, would caution the cynic by saying, 
that is actually to dehumanize yourself. Because as we're going to see in verse 27 and following, Jesus says that true, lasting, deep satisfaction and joy can be experienced. And so just to sit back and be content with mere contentment is to dehumanize oneself. And so, as we can see, each of these responses and approaches to satisfaction are dead ends, to be driven, to be self-despairing, and to be cynical. And so this is why and where we need to turn back to Jesus' hopeful words here in verse 27, because Jesus tells us about the way to satisfaction, the way to satisfaction. So verse 27, this is what Jesus says to us. He says, don't work for food that spoils, but then he uses the all-important but. This but that is full of life, bursts with hope. He says, but for food that endures to eternal life. To eternal life. Now, eternal life is not only life without end. It is that, but it's so much more than that. In the Bible, eternal life means life that is full. Life that is full of depth and richness and satisfaction this this satisfied life full life enriched life that will never expire that's eternal life which is incredible but notice jesus says you've got to work for that and how do we get it which the son of man will give to you he says now in context jesus is referring here to himself he is the bread of life this food He makes this obvious again and again and again. He claims to be this heavenly bread that can fill us up on the inside. So in verse 32, he calls himself the bread from heaven. In verse 33, he refers to himself as the bread of God who gives life to the world. Notice, life to the world, satisfaction to the world. In verse 35, the great I am statement, our, our main text, I am the bread of life. Then in verse 48, Jesus says, Exactly the same thing. I am the bread of life. And then in verse 51, as we've seen, I am the living bread that came from heaven. Again and again, I am, I am, I am. And really this should excite us, this I am statement and humble us because Jesus wants us to reflect on what happened in the Old Testament. And of course, what happened in the Old Testament? Well, God showed up in the burning bush. There was Moses, the shepherd in the wilderness and he sees this strange sight this bush burning but this bush is not consumed and then god appears and says i am that i am in other words i'm the self-existent one i'm the self-sufficient one i'm the self-determining great god the great creator of the universe the one who holds the cosmos and the universe together i'm the infinite one now why this is so jaw-dropping is because jesus is saying here in this i am the bread of life statement that's me I am, I am, I am the great I am. I am the infinite one, this great creator, your savior. And because I am the infinite one, I can plug the infinite cavity within your soul. In fact, I'm the only one who can do that because we read on at the end of verse 27, Jesus says, for on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. In other words, he's the only one with heavenly authorization. He's got heaven's backing. He's the only one who can plug this gap, plug this hole in our heart, which is such amazing news. He's the bread of life. There's no other way to experience satisfaction and joy, deep joy. The implication, of course, is that we need to feed on him. That's the implication. Isn't that what we do with bread? 
You and I, we do that. When, when we get hungry, when we get really, really hungry, what do we do? Well, we don't just keep the pizza on the table, right? We don't have the Lebanese bread and the lovely dips, hummus and tabbouleh just sitting there on the table while we remain hungry. No, what do we do? We dive in, we consume, we feast, we feed on that bread, we whack it down, we shove it down because we're hungry and that's an awesome thing to do and what we need to do and it's enjoyable. What Jesus is saying here is that you've always been hungry, deep within. Since the moment you were born, you're always hungering after this and that. But here's the good news, says Jesus. If you feed on me, which you need to do, you need to feast on me, you will know deep life and satisfaction within. So do that, Jesus would say to you personally. He would say, feed on me. In fact, in verse 35, this is exactly what we read. Jesus declared. In other words, Jesus is passionate here. He wants to get your attention. He wants you to tune your heart into his words and his declaration here. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And then comes the promise. Notice, whoever comes to me, whoever, that includes you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've become or what you've believed up until this point, whoever comes to me, believes in me, will never go hungry. What a promise. What an invitation. It's a summons so that you would experience this deep satisfaction. And whoever believes in me, he says, will never be thirsty. Incredible. Here's Jesus saying to you, I created you to never know hunger. I created you to never know thirst. But because of sin, because you don't love me supremely, because you don't worship me exclusively, you experience this hollow in your soul. But I have come to give you life and life to the very full. I've come to be the bread, to fill you up within, deep within. And so let me encourage you, reach out to Jesus, this bread of life. You know, when we have a loaf of bread, an actual, literal loaf of bread, you can't just throw it down your throat, right? Or maybe if you're a teenage male, maybe you can. But for the most part, most of us can't do that. What, what do we do? This, this bread, the, obviously the, the grain has died to produce the loaf. And then once you have the loaf, you've got to break it apart into smaller pieces before you can actually eat it, and then it sustains you, it satisfies you. Well, Jesus, interestingly, in verse 30, uh, 51, he says this, this bread, talking about himself, is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And you hear what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I'm the bread of life. But just like actual bread that needs to be broken apart before you can actually eat it and receive the benefits, I, the bread of life, became breakable on the cross for you. I'm the grain that literally died on the cross to give you life so that you would know this satisfaction. You would experience it. Because you see, we don't experience, we don't, uh, 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 we don't deserve satisfaction. We don't deserve this life. But Jesus came to be that for us. He experienced dissatisfaction on the cross, cosmic dissatisfaction. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me so that we would know this life deep within? And so that's remarkable. We can find wholeness and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you are of the driven type, I believe Jesus would say to you today, it's never going to be just around the corner. Get off the treadmill of dissatisfaction. Look to me, I can give you rest. 
I believe Jesus would say to you, if you are more self-despairing, that type, he would say, you know, you're onto something. The problem isn't out there. The problem is within your heart, but you haven't looked deep enough. It hasn't because, it's not because you haven't been this and that. That's not the reason why you feel dissatisfied. No, it's because you haven't loved me supremely. You haven't treasured me first and best. Because when you do, when you know my love for you and you experience that and you love me in return, then I will be, as it were, at the center of the solar system within your heart and all the orbits of your life, all the planets will be in perfect orbit and perfect alignment and you will know true joy and satisfaction. And so I think the Lord would say to you, trust in me and I will give you rest for your weary soul. Jesus would say, to the cynics out there. Don't be content with mere contentment. Don't say, I'm, I'm okay, I've got this or that already. No, Jesus would say, that's to dehumanize yourself. I came to restore your humanness. I came to fill your heart. And so don't be content with mere contentment, but search for me, seek me, and you will find me because I'm not hard to find. If you come to me on my terms, I will give you this rest deep within your soul. Also, for those of us who have believed in Jesus, I believe he would say to us two things. First, savor me. I believe Jesus would say, yeah, you've feasted on me in the past, but I want you to continue to do that day after day. I want you to remain in me. I want you to continue to feed on my goodness for you by walking with me. I want to walk with you. Oh, I so desire that, that you would savor me supremely because to that degree that we feed on him will be the degree of satisfaction that we actually experience. And of course, the degree of satisfaction we experience will be the degree of certainty we'll have in this uncertain world. And, and so secondly, I think Jesus would say, yes, savor me, but also don't forget to share me. Share the bread. I'm the bread of life. You are filled with certainty because you feasted on me. But there are so many people around you in your spheres of influence that are so uncertain, especially today because of these uncertain days. And so we need to savor Jesus the bread in order to share him with others as well. And there's a connection. The more we savor him, I think, will result in us being more desirous to actually share him with others. And so let's continue to savor Jesus, savor him as the bread, and share him as the bread of life. Church, how about we just spend a moment reflecting on the wonder that is Jesus, that he is God. He is the great I am, the bread of life, who can sustain and does sustain all those who actually come to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful son. Thank you that you gave Jesus, that he is the sanctioned one, the authorized one, the only one who can give this lasting joy and contentment so that we, Lord, as we trust in him, as we turn away from our selfishness, as we turn away from being driven and self-despairing and cynical and actually put our trust in Jesus, we feast on his goodness, we experience the life within. And so I just pray, Lord, for everyone watching this online service that you would do that, Lord, in their heart. And for others, Lord God, those of us who have trusted in you, I just pray you would help us to continue to savor Jesus 
Oh Lord, this world offers counterfeit things. And we don't, Lord God, want to feast on these things, Lord. Not ultimately. We want to feast on Jesus to savor him uh, so as to share him, Lord, to be about witness in the world, this uncertain world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.